Well, good morning, everyone, and uh, thank you for the chance to speak into your homes or, or wherever you're listening from this morning. Thanks, uh, Jude, for leading us, and uh, Dave for leaving us in communion uh, and reminding us so much of the truth of the kingdom of God. Amy's here with us as well. She's out the back, and she's uh, not alone trying to make us all look beautiful, but make us all look sound uh, good as well. And so uh, hopefully we'll be back together, as David has said, uh, back together here again, worshiping together here again next week. Today, as I share a few thoughts, I'd like our faith to be stirred, our eyes to be fixed again on Jesus and our expectation fueled and fired up. And some of what I'm sharing has come as I've read over again the first five books of the New Testament uh, over the last couple of months. And I, what, I've, what has grabbed my attention is how within the space of, short, of a short time, as people activated their faith and engaged with Jesus and the presence of God, their lives were radically changed. Many, many people healed, many delivered, many set free. People who started their day one way and ended it completely different, uh, probably had no idea that their day, that day their hardship would end. Friday week ago in our home, we watched the nativity and it was just the kids and I, Joanne, I think was out at work. And at the end of that uh, movie, there's a song and um, I uh, made the mistake of, of saying to Amelia she should maybe learn the song because for the rest of the night, uh, that's all I heard her belting it out on her microphone uh, to the backing track. But the words go like this, sometimes life is not all it can be. And then the chorus goes, one day, one moment, everything changed. I'm going to share four stories this morning, and I want, to see, want you to see, or want us all to see, how faith and expectation is rewarded. And in those stories, I want us to see that faith and expectation for each of the people looked a little bit different. I'm going to start with the story in Luke chapter 5, and it starts at verse 17, where Jesus heals a paralyzed man who is let down through the roof uh, by his friends. A great crowd has arose, we read, and Jesus seems to attract great crowds. They come from far and near to hear Jesus teach. They're hungry to hear about this new way. And some men, Mark tells us that it's four men came carrying their friends to Jesus. The crowd was so great that they could not get a chance to lay him before Jesus. But they had this gut feeling, they had this expectation that if we can get our friend before Jesus, he can change this man's situation. And so something within them or some one of them decided there has to be a way to get our friend before Jesus. Don't you love just being around um, people who see problems as opportunities and not as setbacks? They see problems as an opportunity to do something different. 
And so these four decided to get up on top of the, the, the roof, uh, get on the roof of the building where Jesus was. And they dragged and hauled this friend up there with them. Then they would dig a hole in the roof and in doing so risk their own lives by disturbing the structure of that roof, which could have collapsed at any stage. You see, these men believed in sacrificing their lives for what they believed could happen for this friend. And then they lowered him down through the opening, carefully handling their friend all the way to get him before Jesus. We read in the midst of this crowd, Jesus saw the man being lowered. And then he turns to the four friends and we read Jesus rewards their faith. Or another translation says their faithfulness. Something within these men weren't going to allow the crowd to stop him. Weren't going to allow obstacles to stop them getting through to Jesus. We're going to find a way, they said. If the conventional way isn't possible, we are going to find a new way. And we are going to risk our lives, our comforts, for the needs of our friend. Their faith and love was demonstrated through sacrifice. Sacrifice is a word that we hear flaunted about quite a bit at the moment. But this is what the true biblical word, the true meaning of sacrifice in the Bible is when one person lays down their life for the betterment of another. They had this expectation within them that Jesus could change their friend's life. And Jesus rewards them and in full view of everyone, the man stood up, picked up his mat and walked out of the house. And they were amazed and praised God. In that moment, everything changed. That man's life and also in the lives of the friend. And, and I can't help but see within the midst of this, Jesus sees and rewards the faith and love of these men that is demonstrated as they fought through, as they would not take no for an answer. And they were prepared to sacrifice with this, for this man. Something within them would not take no for an answer. And so there's a great question that we can ask at the end of this story. I think it's a question we all can ask. When obstacles come, how will our faith and expectancy respond? Our expectation that Jesus can do something. The second story is in the book of Luke, and it's Luke chapter 8. And it's the woman with the issue of blood. Again, we read everywhere that Jesus goes, there's great crowds. And this crowd we read in this story is so great that Jesus is actually in danger of being crushed. Have you ever been in a crowd like that? Have you ever watched maybe a film where you've seen that demonstrated? We read that this woman has been sick for many years. 12, no one could heal her. And Mark 5 tells us that she had spent all she had and instead of getting better, she actually was, through all of her efforts, made herself worse. I try and step into the thoughts 
of this woman. How, how down and deflated she must have felt. She is one of those conditions that's frowned upon in society, probably hinders her socially, and she's tried many things and not alone failed, but actually done more harm than damage. Twelve long years she's lived with this. And this, to me, is a true representation of life being unfair. Back to the words of Amelia's song, well, not Amelia's song, but the Nativity song. Sometimes life is not all it can be. She hears that Jesus is in town, and something within her, there's an expectancy within her. If I could only get close to him, I don't need an audience with him. I just need to get close to him. I just need to tip the end of his garment. If I can do that, something might or something will change. This small seed of expectancy causes her to put her past, her past failures to one side. She remembers, but I've tried this many times before and failed. The small seed of expectancy causes her to quieten that second voice that's within her says, you'll probably fail again. This small seed of expectancy causes her to go against the scorn, the scorn of the crowd around her, being frowned upon and maybe even ridiculed again. This small seed of expectancy causes her to push or to start pushing through this dangerous crowd. Maybe she has to change her posture and crawl through along the smelly, dirty ground, underneath the dangerous feet of this massive crowd that could at any time crush her or trample her to death. It reminds me of some of the words that we shared on Thursday night, men, as we met together. It went like this, if you want what you've never had before. Maybe you're going to have to do something you've never done before. But she obeys the tiny voice within her, herself and it activates her to push her way through and she touches the end of his garment. It's penned in your Bibles. Immediately she was healed. And oftentimes we leave the story there, but thankfully Jesus didn't. And Jesus turns to, uh, this, to his disciples and says, who touched me? Because I felt healing going from my body. Maybe I'm taking a wee bit of a license here, but I'm going to take it anyway. I think for, in order for Jesus to felt healing going from his body, he's had to in some way feel her pain. I love the posture of this woman as we, as we read about her in, in verse 47. It's really worth reading. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go away unnoticed, she would have been happy just to slip away into the crowd. She probably lived with low self-esteem at this stage, low, low, low value, and, and just didn't really value herself in any way. But she, she reads that then the woman, seeing that she couldn't go away unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she touched him 
and how she had been infinitely healed. Beautiful how Jesus responds at this time. He says this word and it's recorded in, in Matthew's version and Mark's version and here in Luke. He uses these words, daughter, your faith has healed you. Now go in peace. Those words would have been precious and important. Precious to her, but important for the people around to hear. You see, maybe because of her condition, she had felt that she had been disowned. And in him doing this, he not alone heals, but he does a deeper work within her body, within her life, within her very being, dignity, and many, many more things that we don't have time to go into were probably restored that day. So for faith, this woman might have looked like a small, tiny seed, a tiny voice of expectancy that was in her that decides it's worth setting everything aside, past failures, public opinion, and even the dangers as she looks at this great crowd to press in to Jesus. And Jesus rewards, publicly rewards her faith. Her life in that day was radically changed. She went home that day a different person. After 12 long years, she went to bed that night different. And I think what we see in this story is Jesus not alone feels your pain outwardly, but he feels your pain inwardly. And there's a beautiful question that I think we can ask at the end of this story is when difficulties come, difficulties come, when, 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 when difficulties come before us, which inner voice will we listen to? Which one will we respond to? Will we listen to the voice that says, I will press through no matter what? Or will we listen to the voice that says, you're probably going to fail again. And so you just need to be content at where you're at. The third story, again, that's recorded in these three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is found in Luke 18. And it's the story of where uh, Jesus' uh, sight is returned to the blind man. Luke 18, 35 is the story, and maybe you want to read that later. Outside the city of Jericho sat a beggar on the roadside. And Mark tells us, in Mark 10, it tells us his name. His name was Bartimaeus, which really means son of Timaeus. You see, he's somebody's son sitting out on the road, blind and exposed, probably left there every day just to beg enough to help him cover the cost of living. And again, we read there's a great crowd that comes past. There's a great commotion, we read. And I don't know whether you know this, but if we lose one or maybe more of, of our five senses, our other senses seem to up a gear. They seem to overcompensate. And it's like as if this man's hearing has gone up another gear. His sense of everything that's going on around him has upped a gear. He might not be able to see Jesus, but he can hear 
what's going on. And I think, maybe I'm taking a wee bit of license here, but maybe he knew those words that were written many hundred years before in Habakkuk, where it says, Lord, we have heard of your great deeds. Now in mercy, perform them in our day. Remember, there's a great crowd, like in the rest of these stories, these crowds seem to follow him. And we read in verse 38 that this man cries out over the crowd, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The organizers of the crowd tell him to be quiet. And instead of listening to them, blind Bartimaeus shouts them more. He says, Jesus, Jesus, have mercy on me. You know, sometimes within our journey, God, there is something within us that we need to cry out a little bit more. And the beautiful thing we see in this story is Jesus, in the midst of this great crowd, hears the cry of one. Jesus stops and tells the crowd, this crowd who shunned uh, this man to bring him to him. You see, Jesus never gave his attention to the crowd. It's always on the ones and twos when you read through these stories. He never put his faith in the crowds because he knew one day the crowd will be for you and the next day it will be against you. Mark 10 elaborates a wee bit on the story and he tells us this same crowd who was hard on this man. It tells us that these are the people who now with excitement turn to him and shout, cheer up, get on your feet. He's calling you. And in Mark we read in verse 50, he throws off his old cloak. And if we had time to expand on that, I think there is something within that. We need to throw off these heavy cloaks that we have been recognized for so long by. He jumps to his feet and he came eagerly to Jesus. Back to Luke's version. I just think the words in this, sometimes we read it so quickly. But in verse 40, it says, And as he came near to Jesus, or another translation is, says, when he came near him, meaning Jesus. When blind Bartimaeus, as he approaches Jesus, as he gets close to him, Jesus asks him this question, what do you want me to do for you? I think there's a principle within, here, within this. that, And I really sense the Spirit of God upon this this morning as I read over it again. Don't be afraid to be specific when you get close to Jesus. Don't be afraid to be specific what you want. Lord, I want to see, he says, and Jesus says, that's the kind of faith that's healed you. Immediately he receives his sight and the people praise God. We read the people praise God. Who were these people? These were the people who basically told him earlier, you're of no value. Be quiet and pushed him to the side. This was no ordinary day for this man. His friends, his families, his neighbors, everything changed because of what happened. Jesus, you see, 
the principle or one of the principles. There's so many. Jesus always hears the cry and sees the struggle of the one over the crowd. Faith for this person was to continually cry out in spite of being told not to. And the question that I think is worth asking is when the crowd says one thing and your faith says something else, what are you going to do? And then the final story is in Acts chapter 3. Because we can easily just look at these stories and say, well, Jesus was here and he could do that. But now Jesus has ascended in heaven and all power and authority has poured out. And in this story, in Acts chapter 3, we read of a cripple at a gate. And I think in this story, we can see a lot of the things that cripple our faith and cripple us from entering in fully to the things of God. Peter and John are en route to the place of prayer and worship. And right beside the entrance of that place, there is a crippled man who has been there from birth. He's carried there every day in the hope that something, to get something. Imagine that, day after day. Some commentaries say he could have been anywhere but the age of 30 and 40. He could have been doing this for at least 20 years, day in, day out. Imagine what the conversation was if he had have had WhatsApp in those days with his friends. It might have went like this, what's your plans for today? Well, I'm going to do what I did yesterday. I'm going to go to the place where people enter into prayer and worship, worship God. And maybe, just maybe, somebody will notice me. Maybe somebody will stop and maybe somebody will be kind to me. You need to see that in Acts chapter 2, there was a massive revival and over 3,000 were added to the church. Many miracles had happened in the previous chapter. And we read Peter and John were all part of that. They're big dudes now. They're important people. And they're dealing with big numbers. And as they head towards the temple at 3 in the afternoon, this beggar is calling out to the crowd. Peter and John looked straight at him. They noticed this man. They stopped and looked at him. Last week, Neil, as he, as he introduced us to Advent, he, we were reminded that we were encouraged to, when we're in our queues or when we're waiting, to not use our devices. That we are to take notice of things around us, to take notice of the people around us. And that's what these men did. They took notice of the people around them. Just as a side, we read that they were not coming from the place of prayer and worship, but they were going to that prayer place, that collective time of prayer and worship. And they weren't too busy to see this man who seems like everyone in the crowd, everyone in the crowd going to the church passed that day. They weren't too full of self-importance to be interrupted. And they weren't annoyed about having their plans changed. They stop and they saw this man. And Peter engages in conversation with this man. And he said to him, look at us. I don't know what this man was looking at. Was he looking into the distance and the hope that something would change? Maybe one day he'd be lucky in the worldly sense. 
Was he looking down as we often do when we're tired and fed up of continually going through the motions of hardship for a long period of time? Maybe he had a look of despondency in his face that it took the life from his eyes. Look at us, Peter said. Look up at us. Please, sir, change your posture a little. And I am reminded as I read those words again this morning of that part within the story of Abraham as he waited and became complacent, uh, as he waited many years to see the fulfillment of God's promise fulfilled. And then God comes to him again, takes him outside the tent and tells him to look up. He reminds him to stay faithful to the promise with expectancy because one, the one who created the universe is the same one who made the promise to him. Verse 5 tells us that the man gave them his attention. You know, you need to look at something to fully give it your attention. And he looked with them. And the other word that's used here, he looked. He gave them his attention with expectancy. He was going, he felt as if he was going to get uh, something. Sometimes when we fix our eyes or give our attention to the wrong things, we lose our expectation. We lose that expectancy that faith can give. Peter responds to him, silver and gold. We all know it. We could sing it or we could rhyme it. Silver and gold I don't have. But I have something greater and I will give it to you freely. In the name of Jesus, rise up. And in verse 7, we read that Peter, taking him by the hand, helps him up. He enters the temple and all the people, all the people who probably passed him by, not alone that day, for, but for many previous days, many previous months and years, were in amazement. Because this is the man who sat with the heavy cloak upon him at the gate, begging. And now he's leaping and jumping in amazement around the temple. They were amazed. You see, God rewards, and maybe there's times that we feel, we feel, does God even notice? Are we even noticed in the midst of all this? But God rewards those, I think I could take a license here, that God rewards those who faithfully turn up daily as close as they can to the place of prayer and worship and fix their eyes on him with expectancy. When I say that place of prayer and worship, I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about a place with him. And so some things that we can learn from this, these stories. Sometimes our faith is not the same as common sense. Sometimes our faith. And sometimes um, uh, we, we can look on with amazement and say, why on earth is that couple doing that? Or why are they moving in that direction? Because sometimes faith demands it. 
Sometimes our faith and expectancy will require you to sacrifice for others. Sometimes our faith will cause you or, or compel you to fight your way through. Sometimes faith will, will, will demand of you to shout and cry out a little bit louder. Sometimes faith will just ask you to faithfully turn up. Sometimes faith will demand you to be specific at times. One thing I've found about faith and expectancy is one fuels the other. And maybe we just need a wee bit of time to think about that. Sometimes faith, no, I'm going to change this one. Faith will, this kind of faith, will always bring you closer to the heart of Jesus. There's some things that block us from living this way. And one is clearly this, is following the crowd. We listen to the crowd. We get sucked in to what the crowd and public opinion says. When we set out on our journey, we were called to follow the one. At what point were we told to change from fixing our eyes on the one to fixing our thoughts and our attention on the crowd. Jesus himself never put his faith in the crowd. Another thing that can block us is the fear of failure. Failure. It, it didn't work out well in the past. And so we won't go again. We won't try it again. Maybe, maybe mixed in with that is that we're afraid to be frowned upon. We're afraid of what people will say. And I have found in my own life that I could talk about this for ages, but I have found the greatest remedy to this, to this fear of failure and fear of being frowned upon is to get my eyes fixed again back on Jesus. Maybe something else that hinders us in this, our way is forgiveness, or let me say unforgiveness. We need to cut each other a little bit of slack. We all get things wrong at times. We all hurt people at times. You know, majority of people that we hurt, we have no idea that we have hurt them. And we have a, a community of people who are walking around with hurts and focusing on those, and they're holding them back from what God really has in store. Familiarity is another one. Um, you know, there's times, there's, for some reason, there's times in our journey, our faith and expectancy goes cold. We lose sight of the more that God has in store of us. And then the other thing is complacency. We just get tired. We just um, take our eyes off that more. And one thing I've learned is complacency and contentment are two different things. Contentment says we, you know, every good gift comes from God above. Complacency says maybe I just have to settle for what I've got or what's going on around me at the moment. You see, sometimes our faith, as I've said, and expectancy will demand us to sacrifice for others. 
it will, sometimes it will demand us to push a little harder and to shout a little stronger. Sometimes it will require us to go against the crowd. Sometimes it will just require us to be faithful a little longer, and that's not an easy one. Or sometimes our faith and expectancy just need to be stirred up a little. I could have talked for many, many more stories um, in the Gospels and in Acts, but I felt this morning these were important. And my prayer is that as we have mulled through these stories, that we, that some way we've been encouraged and blessed, and as a result, our faith will continue and be stirred to continue for the more God has for us and the more he wants to do through us. Judith's going to come and lead us in a song and, uh, and then we'll, we'll just finish our time together. Thank you.